Hold on one second. I, I think I need to catch my uh, Duncan's make me laugh. Um, I, I've given it away. Um, welcome to the Teeth to Toast podcast. And we're having a great time here. Um, this is a podcast about TMJ and, and, and the body and how everything all functions. And we have a very special guest. We have world renowned world teacher, Dr. Duncan. Brown, the best orthodontist that I have ever met personally, and someone that really understands things that I'm dealing with with TMJ patients and even their kids that we've been talking about because we've done already a couple of podcasts with them and we're doing another one. And this one's going to be all about adolescence. So um, what we want to do is we want to first welcome Duncan Brown. Duncan, how you doing today? Really good, Curtis. Thanks for asking me back. Um, D- Duncan is an orthodontist in Canmore, Alberta. Um, he's a very uh, talented guy, and um, uh, obviously with uh, the color of both his and my hair, we've been around a long time. We've known each other quite a long time. But um, it's always interesting for me to chat with Duncan, so this should be really fun. What I want to talk about today, and I'll talk about orthodontics, and I want to talk about adolescence, that those years from, uh, you know, 10 to 20, and what we should do with those, what what the public should know about getting treatment for adolescence and what dentists should know about getting treatment for adolescence that you have expert knowledge on. And maybe uh, you could talk about um, how do you define, how do you define an adolescent? Well, an adolescent for me is anyone 12 or older. Okay. Uh, For me, a kid in my practice, is 8 to 12. And so in my practice, phase 1 treatment, as we talked about before, occurs somewhere between 8 and 12. The phase 2 treatment occurs from 12 to late teens. Adolescents bring a whole uh, new set of challenges. Partially because... Adolescents bring a whole new set of challenges, not orthodontics and adolescents. Okay, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead, go ahead. So, so most of most of your audience, um, most of the dentists, and most of the parents that are watching, will be familiar with you. Get sent to the orthodontist after the age of twelve when they've got their second molars in. That's a really bad idea. You should be looking at orthodontic problems when the kids are younger than that. So I like to see them when they're seven or eight or even earlier. What's the youngest uh, you can actually start on a, on a young child? Uh, you, can, you can start maybe five. Uh, you don't want to, but you okay. can. Um, I, but when I, they get into... 
Sorry, go ahead. I treat a number of uh, cleft palate kids and kids with severe airway problems related to small mandibles. And so we're treating them at five. Okay, very good. Very good. Well, when they get to the age of 12 um, and they're coming in for treatment, um, what, what are you dealing with? What's the big thing? Is it overjet? What, what is the... Um, and I should explain, overjet is when the upper front teeth are in front of the lower front teeth. Correct? Yes. The, from the layperson's standpoint, they're going to hear two terms. One is overjet, which is this. The other is overbite, which is this. Okay. Overjet has virtually no functional significance. Overbite has a lot of functional significance. And so overbite is the thing that um, when everyone goes to the orthodontist, you're going to hear, we have to reduce your overbite. And that is because that has long-term functional significance. The way you reduce it varies, but the idea of reducing overbite to a reasonable level is a good idea. Now, we talked about this in an earlier podcast, but there are two ways of reducing the overbite. One is to move the upper teeth up. So in other words, you have this and you move the upper teeth up. Yes. But you prefer moving the upper teeth forward and laying the mandible come and rest forward, which is what I would prefer as well. Yes. Um, can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, the reason that I like the option of this is that as you get older, you see less of your teeth. If you were to take a picture of, uh, if you look at your, think about your father and you saw him when he was 40, he probably showed a, a little bit of his teeth. But when you see him at 60 or 70, he shows none. And that's, the reason for that is the upper lip gets longer over time. And, and the teeth sometimes wear out. And the teeth get worn and they disappear. And aesthetically, that's not a good thing. So the aesthetically astute treatment takes the upper teeth and moves them to the point at which the, they are going to still display when the patient is in their 20s or 30s. And then the mandible is brought forward so that they don't have to deal with either overbite or overjet issues. Okay. Okay. Now, um, when we're talking about bringing that maxilla forward, um, how do you know how much you can actually bring a maxilla forward? Uh, you don't know it until you try. The body, there, the body will have certain limitations of what it's able to do. And can you kind of gauge those ahead of time? No. It, it is a read and react decision. Okay. I'm trying to prompt you into talking about a growth curve. Oh, thank you. And, and how does that work? Um, because that's something that's new to me, and we were talking about that earlier. So... Can you enlighten about a, the growth curve and how you measure it and what it actually is? Yes. Uh, 20 years ago or 30 years ago, 
uh, you would have known your orthodontist because he would take an x-ray of your hand. He'd look for a little bone that told him whether you were growing. A contemporary orthodontist really doesn't care whether you're growing or not. And the reason for that is that the, it is not the peak of the velocity curve that makes the difference. It is the area under the curve that is the amount of total growth you have. So you can treat patients at virtually any time. It will just take different periods of time if they are not rapidly growing. So one of the things that you can amaze your friends at parties at is uh, people wonder about a young kid that comes in, he's eight or 10 years old. Well, he's gonna grow, he's gonna hit his pubertal growth spurt. And of course the jaws are gonna get bigger. Well, that isn't the way it works. The width of the lower jaw between the lower eye teeth gets smaller after the age of eight, 100% of the time. So- I did not know that. So if you're going to treat someone that looks like they're going to be crowded. If they are crowded at eight, they're gonna be more crowded when they are 12 or 14, which is why you take on kids early. Good point, good point. So the second thing that people wonder about is you know, a lot of parents or patients are gonna deal with either overjet or overbite. And of course, the lower jaw is going to grow, right? So it's going to grow forward out from underneath the skull, and it's going to fix this by itself. The science indicates that that never happens, never, without intervention. Okay, I believe that too. So if you're seeing someone at 8 or 10, they are not going to get better by the time they're 14 or 15. And if you're going to use growth to help you, then you should be applying the treatment earlier in their growth cycle rather than later. Okay. So. And this growth curve, you were mentioning that you can actually measure. You were saying an X-ray of the hand. Yes. What other ways? What other ways do you measure? Well, the the crudest way is they used to measure your height. And there is a somatic growth curve of height related to boys and girls. So girls, for example, are hitting the peak of their somatic growth curve about the time of puberty, 12 or 13, now earlier. Boys are hitting it 15 or 16. And so they used to plan orthodontic treatment around the increase in the somatic growth curve. But that was never accurate. It was just easy to do. So, All right. So they have other other ways now if you if you believe that growth is going to be a factor in correcting the malocclusion but many of us don't believe that timing treatment for pubertal growth acceleration has very much validity I don't So you just you look at trying to get as much as you can during adolescence, and that's gonna vary from patient to patient. Yes, the greater the need, the earlier you start. Which means you have to get that patient sent to you appropriately. If sending a patient 
too late makes it more complicated. Yes. And one of the one of the difficulties for our general dental audience is that they're used to sending the patient to an orthodontist who then says, well, you haven't got all your teeth yet, come back in three years. Even though you've recognized as a general dentist that there is a problem, you need to find another orthodontist to talk to. I've had that experience personally where they go like, oh, we don't start treatment until such and such happens. But I know there's an issue, so where do we go? You'll have to go and talk to the guy. Which is why you are the orthodontist for my patients. Thank you. Now, so the position of the mandible obviously affects the, um, or the way that teeth mesh together obviously affects the position of the TMJ. Yes. Little condyle, the little head of the TMJ in there. Um, so by bringing that mandible forward, you're bringing the TMJ forward and you're making the parts of the TMJ work better. So that's why it really helps me when I'm treating patients that are adults. But in kids, you're at age 12. Are you measuring where that condyle is? Yeah, we're measuring it all the time. Um, it, if you have a person like this and mm-hmm. you open the bite, in many situations, the mandible will come forward by itself. Right. And that is something that is quite foreign to orthodontic training. Really? Yes. Because orthodontists are taught that the jaw functions like a hinge, but it does not. It functions, if the condyle is not restricted in its position, the, the mandible will move forward quite a bit. And that's the advantage of functional appliances in adolescence. So you're using appliances that are just for a static position, you're using them for how the patient actually functions their daily living. Yes. So basically get the kids to the orthodontist as early as we can so they have an idea about where we're going. And there may be two steps of orthodontic treatment. There may be pre-orthodontic treatment and post-orthodontic or or pre-adolescence and post-adolescence orthodontic therapies that are needed. With a retention period in between them. Okay. Okay. Now, I have a problem, and I see this occasionally, where I see young girls, teenage girls, coming into the office with jaw joint problems, and we take a comb beam CAT scan, and we're looking at the jaw joints with the comb beam CAT scan, and we see that the instead of having a, a big solid, they have a maybe part a big portion of the condyle has dissolved away. Yep. And we call that idiopathic um, condylar resorption. Um, now, I've always thought calling something idiopathic to be frustrating because it means that it's the word 
idiot doesn't mean you're an idiot. It means you have no knowledge. So you have no knowledge of the pathology. But this seems to always happen when young women are going through their puberty phase. And coincidentally, they have other problems, maybe like airway problems or they had some type of orthodontics or aligners done at an early age. Um, can you speak a little bit towards that? I don't think there's any science that brings orthodontics in this idiopathic chondral resorption together, but can you speak to a little bit about that? Yeah, I'd like to. Um, idiopathic chondral resorption is a real problem. It is most common in women, and you will be able to tell them because they will have small lower jaws. Mm -hmm. the, the etiology of it is unknown. They think it may be hormonally related, but the etiology is unknown. And if you don't approach it aggressively, these kids are going to end up having surgery when they're older. And that surgery is not pretty. It would involve... And we're talking TMJ surgery. Yes. Joint replacement surgery okay. in a kid. I've done a couple of them uh, over 45 years. And it is very difficult to do. So, and how was the outcome? Well, the outcome over 5 to 10 years is fine. But they, the outcome over 40 years, who knows? Um, it all depends on who you, who does it. And there are only a few surgeons that are willing to, first of all, recognize that it occurs, and secondly, are able to treat it or willing to treat it. Okay. The, there's a guy named in Baylor named Larry Wolford. If, for the dentists, go out and look at Larry Wolford and see what he does. Uh, he is the world expert on idiopathic condylar resorption, but it is a fact. I know Larry's. I know where Larry's brother Gary Wolford very well. Does a lot of TMJ work. Um, so, you imagine having Larry and Gary, and they're both oral surgeons. That, that must have made an interesting Thanksgiving grouping. But anyway, <laughs> the. Um, so Larry, Larry's really has done a lot of, of research on this idiopathic. He's, he's probably got a hundred papers on idiopathic condylar resorption. Uh, he essentially defined the treatment, uh, the surgical treatment for idiopathic condylar okay. resorption. I personally don't like doing uh, joint replacement surgery in kids. I would rather advance the mandible have them function in a normal occlusion supported by some sort of a long-term orthotic and then deal with the joints when they're 30, having had kids, preferably. Mm -hmm. Understood. Um, you and I are in agreement on yeah. that. Uh, uh, one of the things is, is that you you don't actually need jaw joints or intact jaw joints to be able to function. You can function without intact jaw joints. It's got to do a lot more with the tissue and airway and occlusion and everything I else. agree 100%.
Well, this has been really great. Um, you know what? It's always valuable for every podcast to have a great expert and a great guest. And you are a great expert and a great guest. So I really want to thank you, Duncan. We should do this again. Um, there's a lot of stuff that you know that should be shared out there. And thank you for coming on to the Teeth to Toes podcast. Thanks very much for asking me, Curtis. Happy to do it. You have yourself a great day. And thank you for everybody out there. This has been the Teeth to Toes podcast.